Welcome back to Arguing with the Internet. Today's episode, Should We Trust Science? Now, this is something that's come up a lot recently with people saying online, trust science, or trust scientists, follow the science, these types of things. And you see this a lot in discussions of things like climate change, uh, vaccines, or COVID restrictions. And often, when people are talking about this online, it's not really an argument. It's more of a statement of political identity. I'm the type of person that believes in science, or I'm the type of person who likes to think for myself and I'm not beholden to these experts. Um, and this is an issue that's very personal to me because I am a scientist and I like to think I know a thing or two, and also that people should respect what I have to say, at least I have, if I have expertise in that. Um, so today we're gonna to try a bit of a different format where we actually find arguments happening online, um, talk about them, and try to flesh out the best way to think about these topics. Um, so do you have one for us, Matt? Yeah, uh, so this first argument comes from Reddit, um, where all the best internet arguments are found. Yeah, uh, <laughs> So this Reddit user says, quote, we don't need to trust scientists they can still be bought, but we do need to trust the scientific method, end quote. This is very short and sweet, but there's actually a lot to unpack here, I think. The, mm -hmm. the first thing that I want to draw out of this um, is that there's this important distinction to be made between trusting science and trusting scientists in a more mm -hmm. individualistic way, right? Um, Science more broadly construed could be something like the community of scientists at large or uh, like science as maybe even a body of knowledge or some kind of practice, right? Mm -hmm. um, but individual scientists is a, is a completely different story when it comes to whether or not we should trust them, right? Uh, you mentioned in the intro that you have certain expertise, right? So mm -hmm. uh, for those who don't know, Lewis is a neuroscientist, right? So you have a certain expertise when it comes to certain things about the brain, right? Would that be fair to say? Yeah, yeah. Um, a pretty limited set of, of things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as any like good neuroscientist should field, say, yeah. right? Uh, um, so if you then, qua scientist, were to try and speak on something to do a, with sociology, right? Or mm -hmm. or some other form of science, right? Like uh, organic chemistry, maybe neuroscience requires some knowledge of organic chemistry, but you know, maybe your expertise in that field is limited, right? right? Should we trust you just because you're a scientist? No, obviously not, right? That's, um, that's not how... It works. Uh, it's also true, uh, as this Reddit user brings up, that individual scientists can be bought, right? Now, there's a couple of different ways to to unpack that. One is to say that uh, 
scientists, at least individually, can be uh, corrupted by like corporate interest, right? That uh, you know, a, a company with um, less than virtuous intent could employ a scientist to produce the results that they want, right? That's that's kind of the fear. Just hand them a big bag of money, basically. Yeah. To do what they want. Yeah. But at the same time, there could be, you know, probably what happens more typically is there's conflicts of interest where, you know, like a, maybe when people are studying whether cigarettes cause lung cancer, some of the mm-hmm. scientists say that got money from cigarette companies. And even if the cigarette companies didn't directly say you need to show that it doesn't, you know, cigarettes don't harm people. Right. Um, you know, if that's where your money's coming from, you're going to have a strong bias to find evidence in favor of what they're trying to get. Right. There's also some fear that I think is, is it's kind of kicking around out there nowadays where um, some, t- some scientists might be more politically biased, right? So it's not just mm. about where their money's coming from, but it might also be about what kind of results they, uh, they want to see out there for political reasons. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, whether or not these things happen, I mean, it's <laughs> the economic side, at least when it comes like the example you mentioned, cigarettes, that sort of thing. Uh, these things have happened in the past, right? There has been mm-hmm. a sort of economic tarnishing of of specific uh, science scientists, right? Um, whether or not this political biasing is is occurring and to what extent i i'm not really sure uh but i think we could at least say it's possible right right it's it's possible and if it's possible then maybe you shouldn't just blindly trust any one individual scientist even if they are speaking within their realm of expertise right maybe uh you should still look more broadly right but that's different from saying we shouldn't trust science in general, right? There's quite a big difference there. Um, and this Reddit user seems to be uh, on board with that distinction as they say that we do need to trust the scientific method, right? So it's like science, real science, right? Our science done the way it's supposed to be, we can trust, but we can't trust scientists who, you know, go to the dark side or whatever. Um, right. But that's that's pretty hard to to make that work, I guess, because, you know, like, I'm a scientist, of course, but as you alluded to, I don't know everything. I'm not an expert in everything. And I'm an expert in very limited mm-hmm. uh, you know, area of research. And so if I want to know something about climate change, of which I have no qualifications for, you know, mm-hmm. sorry, biology, don't know anything about the physics involved in that. You know, I could try to read the scientific papers, but I'm not really going to understand them. I kind of have to take someone else's word for it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that person's probably going to be a scientist. Like, I would I would believe a scientist. Uh, maybe other people would find some other authority figure. But I, mean, I feel like you do have to... There's only so much you could do to try to figure it out on your own. So you do need to trust a scientist or someone in authority, at least. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> right. So uh, I, I agree with the notion that uh, there will 
there's going to be a point at which you no longer have the resources to pursue the topic yourself, right? Like, mm-hmm. uh, for instance, if, if you're interested in learning the truth or whatever about climate change, um, there are, I mean, the, the methods of experimentation and things like that, many of these things are not just going to be accessible to you, right? They're mm-hmm. uh, far too costly or require a special education that you don't have right uh there's there's too much to do in order to do the work yourself so ultimately if you want to draw a conclusion about this topic you're gonna have to rely on someone else but you don't have to draw a conclusion right i guess that's true you could remain neutral you could say well i don't know if i should trust this science stuff right and therefore I'll remain neutral, right? Um, now it's hard to remain completely neutral. I guess it depends on right. what the topic is. But for vaccines, for instance, if you're trying to decide should I vaccinate my child, you know, if you're going to be neutral on that, that's basically saying no, I shouldn't, because there's no way mm-hmm. to kind of find a middle ground there. You're either going to vaccinate your child or you're not. Well, I mean, with some things that are action based, like vac- vaccination, mm-hmm. sure, remaining neutral is still taking a certain kind of position that's true but for other things maybe not so much right um i mean having said that though most of the like science skeptics that we see today well i guess vaccines are a big one right now but just before the the pandemic the big thing was flat earth right that was the big anti like not necessarily anti-science, but but uh, skeptical of established science, let's say, uh, right. movement that there was at at that time, right? Now it's certainly anti, anti-vaxxers, but uh, at mm-hmm. that time, it was flat earth. Um, it seems to me that while you could take this position of being neutral, most of these, like, science skeptics aren't really doing that, right? It's... Um, I can't trust the established line coming from science, right? Or established science, whatever. Um, so I'm going to infer these other conclusions. You know, I'm gonna, I'm going to then reach towards these other conclusions. Not remain neutral. You know, it's not. Oh well, I don't really know whether the Earth is a globe or not. It's no, the Earth is definitely flat, right? The the mm-hmm. Earth is definitely flat, which is a little worrying. You know, if you are going to be in a position in which you're going to critique science, um, if you're going to be skeptical of it, you should probably use that same skepticism elsewhere, you know, when it comes to forming your beliefs and things like that. Otherwise... So if you want to be skeptical of scientific institution or the the story that scientists are painting, mm -hmm. yeah, it's... You know, that's one thing to say, I don't know. Like, I don't necessarily trust what these people are saying, but I don't really know. It's quite another thing to say, no, I have this other idea that I think is right based on, you know, doing a little internet searching or just stuff you've kind of come up with. Like, you would have to be very confident in your abilities yeah. to to make that work. Yeah, exactly. So we haven't yet gotten to any of the arguments that suggest that we should be skeptical of science as like a 
practice or anything like that. Uh, but we, we will. Uh, and when we get there, note that while it's okay to be skeptical of science, be consistent. You know, apply the, the same measure to your other beliefs as well. Otherwise, I mean, you're, it's not, uh, you're, you're not playing fair, <laughs> so to speak, right? We, we ought to remain consistent, right, in, in our beliefs here. Um, but yeah, so anyway, back to, back to the comment here. They suggest that what's important is not the individual scientist, but the scientific method. And this is something that I see quite a lot online. The scientific method is sort of like enshrined. You know, this is this thing is what makes science so good, right? This thing is what makes science so valuable and and virtuous, right? At least epistemically virtuous. Um, I'm not convinced, right? I'm I'm not I'm not convinced. One, because it's not at all clear that there is a method shared universally amongst scientists, right? Mm -hmm. Would you, would you agree with that? I, I think so. Um, especially thinking of what you learned in school, the scientific method mm -hmm. of, you know, you got to observe and then come up with the question, like a hypothesis and then test the hypothesis. I don't even remember all mm -hmm. the steps because I don't do that. <laughs> And I don't know anybody right. who does do that. I'm not saying no scientists do that, but scientists, I mean, they do come up with questions, they test hypotheses, but it's very rarely as uh, regimented as that. You don't mm -hmm. normally say like, I have a hypothesis. How do I test this hypothesis? Right. It's a lot of that time that it comes after the fact when you're writing the paper, you're like, this is what I hypothesize. I'm like, sure. You know, um, and you kind of use a variety of methods that would all be seem scientific, but that's not, necessarily one thing that's going to bind them together and then different disciplines like you know in neuroscience experiments are king you want to do a true mm -hmm. experiment whenever possible but like astrophysics you can't do a real experiment you can't randomly assign a star to go supernova mm -hmm. um, so you have to use different completely different set of ways of testing uh, different ideas but you'd still call that science even if there's no experiments right and the the sort of experiments you're going to find between the sciences are going to be totally different in kind, right? So, for example, mm -hmm. in neuroscience, or at least in molecular neuroscience, you might be making, like, interventions in cells or even in genes or things like that. You're actually, like, poking around in the stuff, right? Whereas uh, in other fields, maybe even other fields of neuroscience, the way you conduct experiments is by creating models, Right and observing mm -hmm. what happens when you engage with these models in certain ways, that's a that's a totally different thing than forming a hypothesis and and observing the world. Right? No, you're you are creating a facsimile of the world to some extent, right? And uh, and making observations of that, right? This is this isn't an observation of the real phenomena at all, right? So mm -hmm. it's. It's just not clear that there is any one universal scientific method, at least in the way that we're taught, you know, in junior high or wherever, right? It's um, right. That's definitely it, overly simplistic. You can maybe make some elaborate, you know, description of different kinds of scientific practice, but that's you know a lot, a lot more com complex than just like just the scientific method. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. But if the scientific method isn't the thing that is securing science, this, uh, you know, this authority or this place of uh, value, uh, what is it? I think right. maybe maybe your uh, maybe this uh, argument that you pulled will actually lead us into that if we want right, to take yeah. a look at that. Yeah. So here's uh, another comment. This one is from Cora, uh, and the question, the original question is, can we trust the science? So this person answers: proper peer review, proper peer reviewed scientific journals reported in full and not interpreted and condensed by some journalist with minimal knowledge of the subject, yes, you can mainly trust them. And they go on to say, for big established theories like evolution, gravity, relativity, and the like, people have been trying and failing to disprove them for generations. If they could disprove something like this, it would be worldwide headline news and they'd win Nobel prizes. These theories are absolutely trustworthy. And so this person's doing a couple different things here. So in that first comment I read, they're talking about how you can trust science that's in scientific journals. So scientists will perform experiments or do some kind of studies and then publish them in a peer reviewed scientific journal. And, you know, reporters may write about that science and sensationalize it and mischaracterize it. And so maybe that you can't trust, but the actual journal articles themselves you can trust. And then the second point is more about how different types of theories have been so successful explaining explaining different phenomenon and people have been trying to test those theories and disprove them and they have stood the test of time at least for you know 100 years or so and so that leads credibility to how uh, trustworthy these things are um, so do you have any thoughts about that matt yeah so uh going back to the last one we saw where we we kind of we kind of saw that you you can't really appeal to this notion of the scientific method to secure science's honored place. Uh, this mm-hmm. person seems to be suggesting that uh, what's actually making science um, so hmm, I don't know what the right word is here uh, so secure perhaps uh, is that it engages in peer review, right? Uh, you're not allowed to just write something and put it out there and uh, w- with no criticisms at all, right? Ideally, <laughs> ideally, a scientific paper goes through this like rigorous process of criticism, right? That's the idea mm-hmm. behind peer review. You are judged by other experts who uh, try their best to criticize the experiment, etc., to determine whether or not the paper is is worthy, right? Maybe that's why science is so uh, so good, right? Right, I could see that. Where, yeah, for scientists to make a claim, it has to go through this pretty rigorous process of people who are also experts in the field looking at their work and determining whether it's up to snuff, like it's um, done in a quality way that makes the results trustworthy. So there's an internal mechanism whereby science um, uh, can be more reliable and worthy of trust. But the interesting thing here 
is that uh, this appeal to peer review is relying on another notion that I think is we've already sort of brushed past a little bit that I think is doing a lot of work here. So, for example, uh, there are there are communities that believe in things like the flat earth theory, for example, that mm-hmm. do their own experiments and engage in a similar form of practice, right? They look at one another's experiments. They talk, they talk about them a lot. You know, these, uh, <laughs> these people true. engage in, in conversation a lot on the internet, mm-hmm. right? So uh, in some manner, they seem to be engaging in the same sort of practice. So why is their peer review not leading to this esteem that uh, that the peer review that establishment science gains, right? I think it's ultimately because as you as you kind of said as you were telling your story there, um, it's it's reviewed by experts, right? It's reviewed mm-hmm. by experts. So I think what's really behind all of this is just this this notion of expertise, right? Scientists. Mm-hmm have some kind of expertise. But what could this expertise be? Is it just in is it just the education that they've had? Yeah, it's I wouldn't think it's just the education. I mean I don't know, that's a interesting point. It's, yeah, it's it's people who do this for their career in established fields. So they're associated with universities who are already established as places of, you know, academic learning and the people who are experts. Um, so they're sort of like vouching for these people to say, right. that, you know, they know what they're talking about where people who are in flat earth, you know, they don't have any kind of established way of earning credibility. You can't get a PhD in, flat earthism as far as I know, maybe right somewhere again. Um, there's no previously established institution that vouches for those individuals. Right. Um, but what, but having said all that, that, that does, <laughs> that, that makes it sound more shallow, I guess that it's just like, Oh, like these people say it's okay. Um, and I want to say well, there's more to that. I, I think you'll find that, uh, when you, when you talk to, or when you read these arguments from camps like the Flat Earth Camp, etc., even more modern anti-vax camps, uh, they will often make claims like, that's exactly what your expertise amounts to. It's just that you've been vouched for by some established entity, right? Uh, but there's no reason to think that, the, that that might not just be indoctrination, right? Maybe... Uh, these institutions are just indoctrinating people, right? You think you're getting an education, but you're just fo- you're just towing the party line, right? You're just mm-hmm. uh, following what you've been told in the past. Um, now, I think the most common response to that is going to be something like, uh, that's all well and good to say theoretically, but when you actually get in a lab and you can see, you know, you can observe the things occurring in real time. It's not just that you're taking someone's word for it. You know, you're you're actually uh, seeing the results for yourself as well, right? Exactly. It's the success of the scientific institution, I think, that gives a lot of credibility. So 
in in line with the uh, second part of this person's comment where they talk mm-hmm. about things like the theory of evolution being so um like people have not been able to disprove that and they've been very successful i mean the theory of evolution has given us a lot of insight into you know how our bodies work um a ton of like all of biology in some ways kind of based on evolution or is reliant on evolution. And so the, the ability of scientists to also, you know, they discover principles that lead to new technologies, um, these things that have tangible impacts on our lives. Whereas the science that's done by flat earthers, um, is not, you know, it, it, it doesn't inspire as much awe. Uh, a lot of the, at least the one I'm familiar with, a lot of the experiments they try to do, you know, they're not super convincing. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't really speak to that. I've only seen a couple myself. And, um, well, like most things in science, there are ways of explaining uh, failure to arrive at your initial prediction, right? That don't have to do with rejecting your hypothesis. <laughs> so... There's, there's all kinds of ways you can explain why your experiment didn't go according to plan. Um, but yeah, so back to this uh, back to this comment you found here. I mean, the first section of it uh, is just an admonishing of science being communicated by non-experts, right? So uh, uh, should you trust science as presented by journalists without any kind of expertise? No. <laughs> says this person right that's um i see where they're coming from right mm-hmm. if they don't have expertise then the likelihood of them being able to communicate things uh 100 accurately you know is slightly diminished it's still possible that they could get it right right but it's uh i'm not sure it's entirely realistic to expect uh scientists especially those engaged in like cutting edge research to be able to engage with the public in such a way uh that the public's going to understand you know what they're doing right, right? And, yeah, and therefore w- without these non-expert journalists you might never know about some of these advances right yeah that's true i mean uh scientists when they're trying to explain what they're doing to people who are not experts, it was also very difficult uh, because you're used to talking to experts and uh, using all this jargon and whatnot. But typically you do have to simplify things quite a bit for someone who is not, has no knowledge of your field at all to understand. And in some ways that's wrong. You're simplifying to the point where it's not actually it's false. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. It's false, but there, there seems to be some truth to it. Though. So they're like, they're getting, the person you're explaining it to sort of understands more than they did before, even if what you told them wasn't exactly true. Right. Um, because I mean, that's, that's just the way it is in, in anything. Like my understanding of my field of expertise, I know that I can never really understand any other field the way an expert can, just because I know that if I try to explain something that I'm an expert into somebody, they're not going to quite understand it in the way that I do. It's just, mm-hmm. you know, you need that time and, uh, commitment to learning all that sort of stuff and so you kind of have to settle for being a little wrong um, in yeah understanding. yeah but uh in general though this notion that you shouldn't trust at all 
you know, uh, like a, an experiment that's been interpreted by a journalist or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. Like, if we're okay with saying what you just did, where we say, well, listen, in order to uh, in order to get across some of the knowledge that they've gained, scientists sometimes have to distill uh, their findings uh, so that, you know, the public can understand them. If we're okay with that, then I don't know why we wouldn't be okay with non-expert journalists also reporting uh, on scientific findings. Now, granted, there's going to be some non-expert journalists who overly sensationalize, and we, we see this all mm-hmm. the time, you know, new cure for cancer in a month, right? <laughs> and uh, and things like that all the time. Um, but I don't think we should throw them all under the bus, right? I, I, wanted, I would like to think that it's possible... <laughs> That uh, a, a, a different a outlets do better than others. Mm. So yeah, I mean, they're, yeah. they are more experienced with, with communication toward the public, at least, than scientists are. Most scientists, I think, mm-hmm. at least in my experience, are, are pretty bad at uh, communicating. Well, some scientists with are the terrible public. at communicating to other scientists, like <laughs> oh, yeah. communicating to the uh-huh. lay public. Yeah. Uh, and, and once again, no, I get. Slightly to return to a former topic, this invoking of the notion of expertise, I'm still not exactly clear what makes a scientist an expert, you know? I mean, we we briefly hit on, well, they seem to come from these institutions that... Uh, that we <laughs> we grant some credit to, right? And, and that seems to, in some way, like, they inherit expertise from, from that. Um... But I mean, you can you can get a degree in a field of science with a C average, right? uh, (laughs) I'm not I'm not sure that everyone who practices science is an expert. So I don't I don't know that we can say all scientists are are experts in their field, right? There are we can't preclude the notion that there are bad scientists, right? There's bad everything. There's got to be right. bad scientists. No one says personally that they're bad scientists. Or, <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to name names or anything, but like there uh-huh. are scientists who I, th- or I think, yeah, don't do good science. So um, if if being a professional scientist isn't enough to secure you the expertise we're looking for, I'm still at a loss as to what it is then that, that grants you that honorific, right? What makes you the expert? Maybe it's like having successfully gone through this peer-reviewed process. Uh, maybe you know that sort of demonstrates your chops or something like that. Yeah, I want, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I was thinking, I was trying to think of examples of like tangible benefits. So, you know, for instance, like certain physics theories or under, new understandings of physics lead to new technologies. Um, more or less directly, mm-hmm. then you can use that as an example of, okay, here's an instance where this type of science led to this very demonstrable and you know good outcome. And so we maybe grandfather in other types of science that are similar mm. um, because not every field of science is going to have that clear um, link so are- where... Are you suggesting then that uh, if you can apply the results of some kind of scientific finding in a way that's like tangibly obvious uh, mm-hmm. of its success, right? 
then that implies expertise on behalf of those who were involved. Is that is that what you're suggesting? Right. I'm suggesting that's one way you could get there. And that's probably the, to me, that's, it seems like a perhaps the easiest way to assign value to science that you do not understand very well. Mm. Because you could see that people did the science that directly led to these technological innovations, for instance, or mm-hmm. you know, drug treatments, whatever, um, some kind of tangible benefit. Because otherwise it could be like, oh, these scientists, you know, they came up with this, these theories and they're testing all this stuff. And that's a cool story. But how do right. I know that that's in any way uh, you know, a good story or a good way of producing knowledge? I see where you're going with that, but I, I, it's, it's, it, that's a pretty high bar. You know what I mean? That's uh, we're gonna have. Uh, yeah, ha- have there been results of science that 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 have had tangible impacts on the world? Yeah, it seems pretty clear that there there have been, uh, but not all science does that kind of thing, right. Right. So this is why I'm trying to make an, an extra move where to establish that some science does lead to these tangible benefits, mm-hmm. and then you, from that you say, okay, this method of inquiry, this method of producing knowledge in general is good. And so you, well, now we're back on other fields that do of that. method though. Right. And I, yeah. I thought we had already agreed that we're not convinced that there's a universal method shared by scientists. Uh, so I don't know that we can appeal to method here to, to grandfather in these other people. Right. Especially those who are so divorced from producing tangible consequences, you know, like, I don't know, some kind of like theoretical like cosmologist or something like that. Now, this reveals my lack of expertise. Perhaps cosmologists do produce results that are tangible in the world. I have no idea. But uh, I would imagine less so than someone engaged in like biomedical research, you know, where the aim is to produce these tangible results. Um, right. But I don't yeah, want to the, say that these cosmologists aren't experts, right? Mm-hmm. Just just because they aren't producing these like results that more or less get translated into tech into technology, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. I guess I see your point. Without fleshing out, you know, what is it that makes something science? What is it that leads to these innovations? Um, and how can we, you know, apply that to other domains? That is, I mean, it's maybe something you could do, but it's it's. As we said earlier, it's a little trickier than just like one method. But yeah, maybe that's not the best way um, to confer expertise to these individuals. But without some notion of expertise, I'm not sure where we're at, right? Because it seems like once you once you lose this idea of there being a method that that joins all of science. Right, and that method, because it's so good, is what makes science good and trustworthy. Once you lose that, it seems like you have to rely on something like, well, the scientists are experts. That's why we should trust them. If you want to make that move, right? That we should mm-hmm. that we should trust science, like as a community or a practice or something like that. But if you can't say why they have expertise in what they do, then it's going to be a difficult move to make. Um, right. You could perhaps point to something like predictions where people by doing science can make predictions about things that have not been observed yet. So, you know, doing all the work in mm-hmm. evolution, 
and genetics, all these sorts of things. You can make predictions about certain species you haven't seen yet or you know, things of that nature. And in this is where you can do that. You can make kind of a called shot there. Then that confers a level of expertise. Yeah, maybe. Uh, and I think <laughs> like, but I think like different fields are definitely better or worse at, at predicting things like novel right. phenomena, like um, evolutionary biology. You know, you mostly looking backwards, right? So it's right. It's not at all clear even what their predictions would look like, um, or how they would go about making them, right? Hmm. Well, yeah, I don't know specific examples for that, but certainly like physics and chemistry, like those are good examples of sciences that make predictions that, you know, like the few years ago, the Higgs boson mm -hmm. particle, like that was theorized uh, to be, you know, it would be observed under these circumstances. And then scientists you know, built an apparatus to test that. And um, it was the results were consistent with that prediction. Mm -hmm. But not all sciences are physics and chemistry. They're much more, uh, much harder to make very clear predictions that you know if you've succeeded in making them or finding results that are consistent with them or not. Right. Yeah, certainly. Uh, uh, there is this one view in the philosophy of science wherein science isn't a special thing in and of itself, you know, sort of uh, aside from other forms of inquiry. Instead, it just is a practice of, of using good, like, general thinking skills, right? That we have just sort of shoved off to its own side because of the things it studies. But it uses the mm -hmm. same tools right here we're talking about like uh fallibilistic thinking right which is uh going in thinking that you could be wrong about this right i, I could be wrong about the conclusions that i'm ultimately going to draw uh revisability right so when i reach my conclusion i'm willing to accept that at some point i might have to come back and, and change things up right i might discover something else in the future that causes me to reevaluate what i've done um, and this notion of objectivity, right? To, to try your best to control for things like, I mean, in some fields we would say bias in science, we're more interested in things like confounding variables, right? Uh, that you, that could send you, you know, false positives or negatives, right? Uh, the idea behind this view is that those things aren't unique to science, those things are just what it means to think well, right? That just is thinking well. And so maybe maybe scientists aren't expertise or maybe scientists aren't experts in some unique way. Maybe they're just uh trained to think well, right? Maybe that's all that it amounts to. Um Yeah. yeah I can see that. Um being trained to think well in specific sort of contexts where I'm trying to think of how it would be different from like history or other fields of inquiry um, where maybe it's more methodological in terms of, you know, in history, you're trying to find new knowledge by 
studying documents, whereas in science, you're trying to find new knowledge by making observations and doing experiments or, you know, whatever. There's, there's certain methodological differences there, but really it's, they're sort of, those different disciplines are combined or very similar in terms of that they're just uh, different ways of thinking well um, and just having different methods or different avenues of exploration for that. I, mean, I, could, I could see that. Well, when you keep the when you keep the thinking thing, the thinking skills more general, you know, like the revisability of conclusions and uh, going in with a fallibilistic mindset, that sort of thing. I don't see that there is very much of a difference between something like history and something like mm, a field of science, right? You mentioned that they might differ in in how they go about their methodologies, but once again, there doesn't seem to be a unified method for science. Right, uh, a sociologist, maybe what they do is going to look a lot more like the historian than what you do as a neuroscientist, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, where a sociologist, as part of their experiment, maybe they just go around and talk to people, right? They ask people questions, right? And that's part of their experiment. A historian could do the same thing, right? Go around, ask for firsthand accounts, right? It's, uh, I, I, yeah, I, I think. This notion of methodology, grounding out the science, is 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 one that we're gonna keep coming back to time and time again, but it just doesn't seem like it's doing the work people need it to do here. Um, right. So yeah, we sort of muddied the waters a bit, um, but I think yeah, I don't know if we're gonna reach a consensus for this issue, but I would like to talk more about this the second part of this question. Yeah. Um, where this person's talking about theories like evolution, general re- relativity, for instance, um, these as being so you know, good and indicative of why science is a trustworthy institution because people have been trying to disprove them and they can't, or they at least so far have not. Um, That's not what they, they have, say. <laughs> you made you made what they said more i guess i'm editorializing a little bit but they said you made it far more reasonable if they could disprove something like this it would be you know big news they win nobel prizes uh because that has not happened the theories are trustworthy absolutely trustworthy is what they say okay Yeah, yeah. That that notion that you built in there, where it's like, well, they haven't been disproven yet. Nah, that that. I guess most people aren't going to say that. Like with evolution, they're like, it's a fact, even though it's called a theory. It's like a fact, and uh they're not going to say it's even possible that it's wrong because it's so. uh, It's it's been so successful. People have not been able to disprove it, or at least it's the countervailing. It's the primary way that people who are experts in this domain think about things um, yeah but I, I i think historically that's been said about a lot of things right a lot of things that we now think are false or that that's a there's there's another critique from the philosophy of science um that comes from this more historical point of view that says more or less listen uh we've had a lot of scientific views in the past and most of them we don't hold anymore Right. Mm-hmm. Most of the things that scientists have concluded in the past, we now think are false. Therefore, we might expect 
that we'll find the same about our currently held theories later. Now, uh, you can't get a... There's no valid conclusion there in terms of... uh, we Like, you can't say we will find that these theories are false in the future. You can't say that. Maybe we got it right this time. You know, maybe this time we did it right. Uh, Possible. Uh, But it's instead this sort of uh, trying to soften confidence, right? That, you know, those people back then, they were also very confident in uh, what they believed. Um, But we no longer believe those things, right? We no longer believe that that illnesses are caused by an imbalance of humors or that, uh, you know, the... uh, the the sun rotates around the earth right as well as all the other all all the planets right um these things were once held very strongly maybe yeah. maybe they were held to be absolutely trustworthy right? <laughs> <laughs> well this is something I, I, it's a sentiment i think certain scientists that i haven't encountered anyway do express is that you know who knows we might be wrong one day or mm-hmm. you know it's you know really uh, ridiculous to think we know everything we figured it all out but at the same time i think most bi- people in bi- any field of biology are going to have a hard time saying evolution could even possibly be false because mm-hmm. there's some some famous quote that's like well i, I should have looked this up before but um basically like biology doesn't work without evolution mm-hmm. like we can't do biology as we understand now without having the theory of evolution it's so integral into that field but just because of that doesn't mean it's it's true. I mean, we have the example of like Newton's laws of gravity. Mm-hmm. Um, they were absolutely integral to anything you were going to do with like planetary motion. Um, and they were extremely successful in their predictive power. Uh, but they turned out to not be true. And it just took more sort of unusual circumstances, like where you have a ton of gravitational pull to really see. Um, the limitations of that. And so, you know, as you said, like, because it's happened in the past before, you know, we could also be at that point now where, right. Even if it seems like we cannot think of a possible other explanation of how this could be the case, that doesn't mean it's true necessarily. Right. So when people say like, Oh, you should trust science. Right. And what they mean by that is what this person has just said, right. There are these views which are incontrovertible. That's not what they said, but it's close enough. Uh, <laughs> uh, that I have a problem with, right? Because mm-hmm. in, in, a, in a certain certain way, what they're suggesting is an unscientific view of these scientific findings, right? Mm. If if we think of science in that way I suggested earlier, where it's it's more or less just an embracing of these uh, like good ways of thinking, right? Revisability is always in there. Right. There might come a time, even though perhaps right now we can't see it, like for the biologist and evolution, as you were talking about earlier, even if we can't see it right now. If something did come along, you know, if some new insight came along. uh, In principle, we have to be amenable to it. Right. We have to we have to at least consider it. Right. Could we be wrong? Yes. We should always accept that we could be wrong, right? That's that fallibilistic mindset, right? So th- this this suggestion that the way you trust science is by believing in the current results of 
you know, science or at least established science. Um, that seems wrongheaded to me, right? That seems like uh, you're trusting in something, but it's not trusting in science, right? You're trusting in like, I don't know, like like the current status quo, right? Or something like mm-hmm. that. Um, not quite the same thing. Right. So to be, to think scientifically, you're saying that you should have kind of a skeptical approach to everything. So when you're you know, doing science, you're trying to understand how the world works. Um, so you're open to different possibilities, but you should also be open to the possibility that you know, these long-held established beliefs could be wrong. You could always yeah, I mean, encounter some new, something you haven't considered before that makes you rethink your assumptions. You don't, you don't have to, like, grant an, a, 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 an enormous amount of weight to this, to this like, doubt or whatever. Um, but you shouldn't make claims like, these theories are absolutely trustworthy, right? That's, that's mm-hmm. a step too far. Is is the complaint that I have here, right? Uh, we might say, and uh, it, it, scientists do say all the time when they're communicating with the public. Listen, yeah, we call these theories, but they're basically facts, right? And, and they do say that, but at the same time, there is or there has to be this understanding that while that's accepted now, there is some mere possibility, right, that uh, things might change in the future, right? You you can just never know. You never, in, unless you know what the alternative theory is, you can't really assess uh, how strongly it competes. So, for example, before Einstein or before any notion of relativity, there's no way for scientists who are deeply convicted by Newtonian physics, right, there's no way for them to know that their views can be challenged effectively. It's just, there's no way for them to know because they haven't been exposed to it, right? So for them in that time then to have said, oh, these theories are absolutely trustworthy seems just as true for us now, right? It's, uh, there's no way to know what the new challenger will be like, if there will be one, maybe we did get it right this time, right? It's, it's possible, but we have to accept if we're going to think of science as this sort of fallibilistic practice where where we accept that we might have to revise our conclusions based on new evidence, we have to accept that, uh, well, these things are revisable, right? We can always come back. Yeah. I do think that, you know, I don't want to read into this person's mind too much. <laughs> sure, uh, sure. But I, I do think that a lot of times when people say this, particularly with evolution, it may be a defensive posture because someone who believes in creationism might say like, Oh, evolution is mm. just a theory. My theory is just as good. Or, you know, it's, it's not proven or you can say the same thing with like flat earthers. They'll say like, Oh, you know, the, the earth being round, that's just a theory or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so scientists will sort of double down on the position. Like, no, it's absolutely true. Like we've right. proven this, like there's no way this could be wrong as right as a way to sort of combat the skepticism Whereas if there were people that were as skeptical, maybe they would be more amenable to saying, you know, eh, this could always be wrong. Right. Yeah, I think you're likely. I think you're likely right. But uh, 
to me, like the, the best way of handling that kind of thing is to talk about differences in the quality of theory rather than to insist that your theory is something more, right? Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, like the flat earther, creationist, whatever, uh, when they say, hey, it's just a theory, technically speaking, that's the right move, right? Technically speaking, yeah, it is just a theory, right? It is not. And it is not an aesthetic. Science will never, if it's operating correctly, under the narrow definition I've given or <laughs> whatever, uh, <laughs> it's not in the business of establish establishing facts that are solid and can never and will never change, right? Uh, it might be that we uncover something that really is fact, right? Uh, but you aren't going to be able to appreciate it as a fact that way, right? It's always just going to be a theory. That doesn't mean that all theories are of the same quality, right? Right. Uh, so if you are feeling defensive or whatever when you're engaging with someone who says gravity, that's just a theory, or evolution, that's just a theory. Sure, it is just a theory, but let me tell you why it's a better theory, right? Uh, it has it, it. It's more useful in terms of prediction, explanation, etc. There's all kinds of ways you can approach that. You don't have to insist that it's fact and then come off as some kind of dogmatist, right? Right. No, I think that that is a good point. Uh, well, do you think we should move on to the the next question? Yeah, let's jump on to the next one. So, this is an argument uh, between multiple people from Twitter. So first up, we have someone saying, saying trust the science is the most anti-science thing you can say. Questioning everything, particularly the results, is how you do science. Okay, someone kind of joins in with them, uh, in my mind, of the same alignment, right? Uh, Who says, they say trust the science, but they actually mean trust the science, but only when we agree with it and it matches our political agenda. Okay, um, so these two, this first, this first comment is actually a fairly, it's simplistic, but it's also nuanced at the same time. It's actually a criticism of, uh, of recent scientific findings. I think this person was actually responding to uh, vaccines, right? This was something mm-hmm. to do with vaccines, right? So uh, saying trust the science is the most anti-science thing you, c- you can say. Telling me that I should get the vaccine, just trust the scientist is unscientific. Why? Mm-hmm. Because science requires us to question everything, particularly the results. So this is a way of turning the fallibilism inherent in science the i could be wrong about this right inherent in science around against it right so Mm -hmm. i should i should adopt a similar mindset when it comes to the conclusions reached by scientists right um so uh, do we want to jump to the reply or should we talk about this i think this is some of that stuff is similar to what we've touched on already Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think we can jump into the reply to okay. um, both of those. So responding here, we have an actual argument in terms of a heated exchange, not a philosophical argument, right? <laughs> the, 
The, this person says, no, they mean trust the scientific consensus, the prevailing conclusions of the foremost experts in the field and the esteemed governing agencies of those scientists like the CDC. Perhaps you're referring to the anti-vaxxers, anti-maskers, and the like. So here, this person is making the claim that, uh, well, more or less in the background, the claim that they're making is that what's what's important, what secures science, this esteemed position, is this consensus, right? The, mm-hmm. the reason why you should trust in the conclusions coming out of science is because there's a consensus amongst experts, right? Um, it's not just one person saying something, right? Again, this kind of hits back on this notion of of peer review, right? There's mm-hmm. there's this community wide uh, sort of embracing uh, of certain theories. Um, you see this kind think- of rebuttal a lot with uh, the anti-vax stuff and with climate change, right? Uh, yeah. Typical rebuttal goes: practically every scientist thinks that uh, the Earth is undergoing uh, climate change that will be harmful to life, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is in some way supposed to secure uh, the notion that climate change is going to be harmful to living things, right? Or us, more yeah. specifically. Yeah, that's just, it's definitely something that comes up a lot in online arguments. Like you said, climate change, there was a, some study that came out that said 97% of climate scientists mm-hmm. agree that climate change is man-made and is real. Um, you know, I haven't read that study. I don't know anything about it, but other people say the number is higher. Well, all this, I think, is sort of a reaction to a sort of both-sizing narrative where if you're talking about climate change, you might have, think of it as, you know, there's a climate expert who says, you know, climate change is real. It's man-made. We should do something about it. It's going to be really bad. And then you have another potential expert who says no it's either not real or it is real but mm-hmm. it's not man-made or it is real maybe it's man-made and but it's not um something we should worry about and so you know if you have two experts who are saying opposite things one way to get around you know the question of who to believe is to come up with this consensus statement where you say the people who are deemed to be experts in this field 99 percent of them believe this thing well, that's what you should believe. If you, especially if you're not an expert, you should trust the majority opinion here. And that, you know, it makes sense to me, like intuitively. Um, I think it makes sense to a lot of people. But I mean, you know, if you get down to like what that argument actually is, it's really like an appeal to numbers. Like mm-hmm. so many people believe a certain thing, therefore well, that's what you should believe. Once again, it's it's not just an appeal to numbers, though, because uh, as we sort of mentioned earlier, uh, you can have a large community consensus in another uh, another community, right? Like, once again, the flat earthers are very good at this kind of thing. There's a, quite a lot of consensus there in terms of, you know, their beliefs about the earth, right? Um, consensus isn't it, right? It's, it's consensus amongst experts. So once again, mm-hmm. it's that... It's the expertise that's really driving this. Uh, it's really the driving force behind all behind all of this, right? So, for the person who is distrusting of science or who is skeptical as to whether or not we should trust science, 
For them, I think the move is ultimately going to be to challenge this notion of expertise, right? That's, at the end of the day, going to be the move. I, I don't really see anywhere else um, that the uh, the other camp can can use to actually secure this this like esteemed place that science has, right? So this is this is the crux. This is where everything is. Everything comes down to this: are scientists experts yeah. in their fields or not? We can also have situations where you know historically um, there may have been a minority of scientists who believed a position that we now have adopted right where you know eugenics was a very popular uh movement you know 100 years ago like Mm -hmm. the biggest scientific journals at the time were sort of talking about it in positive ways um so it was very mainstream and based on you know a lot of racist assumptions uh that weren't really challenged at the time and so you may have Mm -hmm. had a minority of scientists saying uh you know, we shouldn't believe these things or these are based on flawed data. Um, and in that situation, the majority opinion, the consensus, we would consider now to be wrong. Right. Um, so that situation can happen as well, where the experts are just either misinformed or biased in some way, or there's a selection bias where only people that get to be in these positions are those who believe this consensus opinion or, or what have you. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> There certainly can be cases in which a community of so-called experts can get it wrong, right? Now, one move there is to say, well, if they were that wrong, they weren't experts in the first place, right? Mm-hmm. They, because in order to have expertise, you need to have something right, right? You have to get it. You have to get it right. Um, I don't know that I like that move, uh, but it's out there. It's going to make it very difficult, I think, for. For us to establish scientists, well, it's hard experts. to know. That, like, if you to be an expert, you have to be right. I mean, yeah. Like, how do you possibly? Know but I mean, at right? the same time, well, I, I mean, we laugh because it, it's going to make claiming scientists as experts very challenging. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, if you suggested the alternate, hey, this person is an expert, even though we don't know if they know anything. You know, we don't know if they have gotten anything right in the past. It's questionable. You know, if, if you if you consulted a mechanic who claimed to be an expert, but they could not demonstrate that they had gotten any repair done properly in the past, I'm not sure I would be comfortable calling them an expert. You know, I, I would like to know that you've produced results before I call you an expert. Right, but that's the challenging thing about science, especially fields that are not as... Um, good at predicting or good at creating like mm-hmm. tangible results that people outside the field can understand. And even in cases where, you know, as we talked about Newt before, he produced all these tangible results mm-hmm. um, with his theories and many of which turned out to be wrong. So even if you are successful, you can't still can't say that they're right necessarily. It's true. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. So much seems to ride on this issue of expertise and I'm still, I'm still not clear myself how to how to break it down. I think so far the most appealing thing we've come across is to say that well when you go to these institutions you get some kind of education. You're not just learning what people have said most of the time. I guess this varies by discipline. 
but most of the time you're involved with some kind of hands-on work, like in a lab or something like that. So you actually get to see the fruits of your inquiry, right? It's not, you're not just taking someone's word for it. You're not just watching a video like this one and accepting what the people have said. You're actually uh, doing experiments, seeing the results yourself. Um, yeah, but the, make like, you can think of expertise, not just in terms of science, but also in any number of fields like, you know, history, uh, or any other real academic discipline, you would say these people are experts in that field, but they might necessarily, they, they might be even less able to produce tangible results. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it extends beyond the problem of scientific expertise. Yeah, the problem might just be of expertise in general, one of expertise mm -hmm. in general, right? What does it take to be an expert in anything? Um, but, uh, I mean, at that point, you know, are you ever going to take anyone's word for anything? Right? <laughs> um, if, you're, if you're willing to dismiss expertise across the board, you know, uh, you don't have enough time in the day to research everything yourself, right? Uh, right. Well, I think we've been going for a while so maybe we should start to wrap up and i want to i would try i would prefer not to wrap up on a you know we shouldn't trust experts kind of note uh if possible well it's not we shouldn't trust experts <laughs> it's what's an expert <laughs> you right. know? what it what is an expert it's an uh, important question it's, it's yeah finding it's 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 hard to really pin down um i think in order to not wrap up on a note like that let me return to a note that I made earlier that I promised we would return to. Uh, so this last Twitter conversation that we saw, the original commenter makes the claim that uh, just merely trusting in uh, the results of science is like the most unscientific thing you can do, right? He's suggesting mm -hmm. this because science is supposed to be like skeptical by nature, right? Scientists are supposed to be skeptics. Um, and therefore, if you want to do good science, you should question their results, right? Again, I want to press, I want to press this issue. That's fine, right? Science is supposed to be skeptical. There is supposed to be this this element of fallibilism and revisability that that's incorporated into well, more or less any sort of scientific practice that I know of. Um, but if you are going to attack the results of established science using this, you ought to remain consistent, right? You ought to apply these same standards to the views that you hold, right? So it's not, it's not going to be okay to dismiss scientific findings using this move, but then accept some other move dogmatically, right? Just because it happens to align with something else that you believe, right? If you're going to be a skeptic, and you're going to be like a skeptic skeptic, right? Then you ought to be skeptical about everything. Uh, right. Otherwise, otherwise, it, you you ought to begin to question your own motivations, right? Right. So if you want to be skeptical of something like the theory of evolution and you know, using some of the points we brought up earlier, where, you know, just because it could be successful or maybe we can't think of a good way it could be wrong, uh, that's not good enough to say that is absolutely true at the same time if you want to bring up any alternative theories 
all the points that we've mentioned apply to that as well. And probably more so because it's doesn't have as much work and thought put into it almost mm-hmm. certainly. And so you don't get to just reject the consensus view and then insert whatever you want. You also have to be skeptical of that other view as well. Exactly. A more concrete example. I mean, a more concrete recent example, right? The use mm-hmm. of ivermectin as a treatment, right? Oh, we yeah. will dismiss the conventional treatment or immunizations because we're skeptical of the science, right? We're skeptical of maybe even of science in general, but we will welcome <laughs> the this other theory, right? That that <laughs> purports exactly. to use the same sort of method, right? So it's um it, apply the standard universally, right? It's okay to question scientific results. You know, you, perhaps you even should if you want to do good science, right? That kind of just is what peer review is, after all, is questioning an, another scientist's results, right? And their methodology, etc. It's fine. That's what you should do. But don't, <laughs> don't merely apply it to that theory, that conclusion, right? You also apply the same manner of thinking elsewhere. Uh, right. Now, yeah, we are... We are unfortunately out of time but there's so much more to talk about here right we we've hardly mm-hmm. touched on any of the sociological issues uh, and there's there's a lot more to say uh so maybe we'll return to this sooner than later um right well yeah if you have a uh, anything you would like to hear us talk about or you disagree with anything we've said here or think you have any kind of better ideas or want to run something by us you know uh Send us a comment or an email, and we might refer to that in a future episode. Yeah, there's like you said, there's a ton more we could talk about here. Um, could go for like two or three hours easily. So. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but we're doing not doing it for your sake. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's it. <laughs>